Welcome to Look What She Built, where we show you examples of what an iconic woman leader looks like. I'm your host, Jamie Rowe, and I'm so excited to have you here. I created Look What She Built because I want to celebrate the bold, the brave, and badass women who are doing business in their own way. In this podcast, we're going to interview and celebrate these women business owners, as well as bring on experts that can help us dive deep on topics like sales, self-care, money mindset, and more. So let's dive in and show the world what an iconic woman looks like. Hello, everyone. This is Jamie Rowe from Look What She Built podcast, and I have a good friend with me today, Kate Bailey. How are you, Kate? Doing well, Jamie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So. Oh, well, I'm so glad that you're here because um, we're going to talk about empowering women. No, we're not. We're going to talk about funding them. But the most important thing is I want to talk about you for a little bit. Um, so I love to ask people about their morning routine because I think it's so intriguing, the responses that I get. So I'm just curious, what, is, what do you usually do in the morning when you wake up? I am, I'm a, I'm a, I call myself a German train. I'm like clockwork. I've had the same routine. I would say for probably 15, 20 years. Um, I get up at five 30. I'm an early riser. I just, I'm a morning person. It's when I feel my most alive. I work out for an hour variety of things I'll do, you know, spin or yoga or hit class or whatever. Um, jump in the shower, do the whole routine, hop in my car. And I'm always five minutes late. So, um, I usually, I, I, I have this habit of like trying to squeeze one more thing in. So, you know, I'll throw in a load of laundry or I'll, you know, try to clean my kitchen or something. And I'm always thinking that I can do one more thing. I did it this morning and, um, I was five minutes late. So it's, it's a perennial thing and, and I'm, or, you know, I'll, I'll think like, okay, I can definitely go hit that favorite coffee shop. I totally have time and not thinking that, you know, it'll take 15 minutes or something. And so, um, but that's, that's my jam. Oh, I love that. And that's so true. That's exactly, you're like running five minutes. Like I'm the same to our advisory board meeting a week ago or two weeks ago. You know, I drove there in my slippers, didn't have any (laughs) shoes. (laughs) <laughs> looked in the back of my car and there was a pair of shoes there that didn't match. <laughs> and I watched it. <laughs> it happens. Like we get there, everything gets done. People can wait. Yep, exactly. I needed to water my plants this morning. That's what happened. I needed to water my plants. So yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, I think it's, I love that you say German uh, train, like clockwork, because I think giving that routine in the morning, it starts the day off with something that's familiar and also lets your nervous system rest so that you can be in that creative space. So you can be prepared for the day because especially with you having a startup business is a lot of things can be thrown at you all at once. Yeah. Yeah. It's a full stress management system. If I don't get the workout time in the morning, it's just, it's my meditation always has been. I used to be a cross country runner. Um, can't do that anymore. Uh, you know, get a little older and body doesn't respond the same way, but it, it truly is the, the best stress management tool that I have and the mornings that I don't get to, I feel it, you know, um, it's, it's a, it's game changer. So. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, let's talk about, I know our topic today is we don't need to empower women. We need to fund them. And I want to slow down on the word empower. And the reason why is I was at a meeting with you and we were creating, I think it was the mission of Tara. Um, actually every, uh, you know what? I want to slow down. 
I yeah. cannot read your intro because I know you so well. Oh. I was like, everyone knows right. Kate. Everyone right. knows Kate. Kate. I know Kate. So for everyone listening, I'm so sorry. This is my friend Kate. She's the founder of Tara, a flexible office and membership work club in Denver, backed by a powerful network of professional women, a media strategist, entrepreneur, and business consultant. She founded Tara in 2015 to build a more equitable world of work. Today, Tara's mission is to provide support, resources, and education for the city's business owners, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and professionals through inspiring spaces to work, valuable connections, and the right tools and resources to thrive. Kate, welcome to the show. There we go. Thank so you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just flip flop them. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we opened our full campus just about a month and a half ago, and it's been an amazing whirlwind. It's been such an incredible reception from the community. And, you know, we've, I've had this in mind since 2015. It's been seven years and lots of roller coasters. You know, I always joke that we pushed the pandemic pause button back in 2020. We were originally supposed to open in end of 2020. Um, retooled our business model a little bit and and we were patient enough and and waited it out and here we are. Well, I have to say I was at the space um, last week. I've been there several times and oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. It's stunning. Well, the thing is, is that there's something to say about where I've worked in co-working spaces where it's sterile, white, mm. nothing. Like it's windows everywhere. I mean, it's it's just not um, private at all. Like the beauty, aesthetic beauty of the workspace is just outstanding. Um, so thank you for that. I don't know what it is. I work better in pretty places. I, I don't too. know about you. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's honestly, I think that it is, it is calming and soothing to the soul to be in a beautiful space. Um, I'm a very... I'm a, I'm a big proponent of being surrounded by things that are comfortable, you know, comfortable seating and, and comfortable lighting and just feeling like you've got that kind of support from the comfort alone. Um, and the color palette, I mean, we now know that, you know, chromatic therapy is, is a real thing and, and colors like dark reds are really soothing to people. And we were very mindful of that when we were designing the space. And, you know, it really, to me was a conversation of, we work so hard. We work so hard and it's not just on our businesses. It's not just in our lives. It's our children and our, you know, caring for parents. And I mean, women really have a lot of burden on them and they deserve a space like this at the end of the day. That was the impetus behind designing this was we, we deserve this. Um, and be able to provide that kind of space for, uh, you know, startup founders and entrepreneurs and business owners and professionals to come and just kind of exhale um, was really important to me. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, even I think when that meeting, I reached down, I'm like, God, this chair is so soft. I love this chair. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this corduroy? Yes. <laughs> my butt is very comfortable right very now. Very comfortable. Yep, yep. So the, the design aesthetic that I talked to my interior designer about when we started was 70s feminism meets uh, London Members Club. 
And so the idea was this kind of 70s materials where we have the corduroy, we have like menswear fabric on a lot of the chairs, um, lots of leathers because we wanted it to have that members only club feel, but really give it a little bit of a twist with the, the kind of, you know, 1970s palette um, and some of those more menswear fabrics from, from the 70s was the, the design kind of inspiration, so. I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. Now we're going to get back to empowering women now that I've introduced you and we're talking about how amazing your space is. Um, I mean, your space has a note. Your space is not just for people in Denver. If someone's traveling through Denver, could they work there for a day? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have day passes, okay. punch passes, and we actually have a, we just joined a consortium of, I think, 20 spaces around the country that give two free days per month here as well. Um, a lot of them women-owned, a lot of them women-focused, but we're really excited to be able to expand the national network here too. So as a member of Tara, all of our members have two days a month at these spaces in various cities around the country too. So, Well, I love that. I was thinking of you last week. So as I was camping through Colorado last week, I was in Uray, if anyone's familiar, just north of Telluride, and I was trying to find a place with Wi-Fi and I had three hours of meetings to do. And I actually looked up co-working space in my mind. I'm like, God damn it. I wish Tara was here. Because <laughs> then I know it'd be not only a beautiful place, but I could have a Zoom room. I could have, you know, Wi-Fi and um, get a drink of water and not being a gross. I was in some gross chocolate shop for three hours. Oh, no. It was fine. I ate chocolate. It was fine. It was fine. Everything's fine. But there was a lot of cleaning of things before mm -hmm. I could start my meeting. There was a lot of chocolate and sticky children, which is fine. I love kids, but not stickiness. So um, regardless, let's talk about the word empower. So we don't need to empower women. We need to fund them. So I remember being in a meeting. It was an advisor board meeting for Tara. And we were working on the, I think, the mission or the vision or something to that effect. And you had some, someone had said, hey, this is for a, a, something to give power to women. I'm like, well, well don't we want to empower them? And like the whole room stopped. And um, it was a moment I had a realization. Do you remember what I, do. I, just, I didn't, what yeah. you said? Tell me what you said, because it was so profound. I'll never forget what you said. My conversation around the word empowerment is that women have plenty of power. We don't need it to be given to us. We've, we have that power and we've shown that. Um, we don't need to be given permission to have a voice. We have loud enough voices. We have powerful enough voices. It's not about giving us power, which is the definition of the word empowerment. It's about us having the platform to convey that the right way. And that is where this conversation around we we really, you know, the empowering women has been a really popular conversation in rhetoric for the last probably 20 years or so. I mean, I think it kind of started in, you know, 70s feminism moved its way through 80s power suits. Um, you know, in the 1990s, it seemed like women were really making a lot of strides professionally. There was you know, a ton of what I call top-down initiatives, you know, there's there's board quotas, there's DEI initiatives, there's all of these things that are kind of happening from the top down. And women's empowerment became a really easy kind of thing to, to grab onto. It became kind of a, a buzz phrase, if you will. It became a marketing thing for the government, for corporations, for um, brands to empower women. But if you really look into that conversation, like 
we're moving past that. It's not to say that we didn't maybe used to need to empower women. I think that a lot of those conversations were incredibly valuable when they were there. But in my mind, we need to be moving on. You know, we've we've had the lean-in feminism, the the have-it-alls, right? The super moms. Um, from there, we moved into 2016 with the marches and a lot of very, um, very, you know, a lot of a lot of anger that was actually really warranted at the time. Um, and then we moved into the thing that we called the pandemic, where we had the secession and we had women quitting left and right. And we had this collective, I think, at least in the Western world, realization that trying to have it all and trying to be super mom and trying to, you know, do all the things that we were told were going to give us power, were going to give us, you know, the, the C-suite jobs and the funding and, and all these pieces, that it actually wasn't working. And that, you know, if you look at the statistics, it really hasn't budged in the last decade. We had a pretty solid growth trajectory in terms of women getting into C-suite positions and management positions and, you know, getting funding and starting businesses. I mean, women are 40% of businesses that are started up today. But then you look at the other side of the statistics and you look at that, you know, venture capital still only goes to 2% women-owned businesses. Um, and, and it's actually getting lower over the last couple of years. And then you have, there's still only 4% of international CEOs are women. I think it's 9% in the United States. Um, you know, I look at statistics around medical school, law school, and architecture school. It's 50-50 when they're in school. And by the time they hit partner status, it's around 20 to 25% max women to men. Um, and, and it, and I, I really look at these statistics and I say, okay, so empowering women as a conversation was helpful, but we need a new conversation because this is, this is not moving up. And it went down significantly during COVID too. Um, so what I talk about here at Tara, and it's really the question that I'm posing versus any solutions yet, because I think that this is a long tail conversation that is going to take another 20 to 30 years to hopefully start to quote solve. But really the question is, is the empowerment phase is gone. We have our power, we have our voice, we understand what our place is and we know how to get to the top. So the next conversation to me is, at least from a small business owner and, and startup founder standpoint, is let's stop talking about empowering women now we need to actually get them the funding and the money and the resources to, to be able to grow their businesses, to be able to grow their careers, resources, including childcare, resources, including the ability to do, you know, family paid medical leave, things that, that sort of level the playing field for women in the professional sphere. And those are harder things to tackle. Talking about empowerment is really easy because it's fluffy and it's pretty and it has some, you know, pink on it. But the reality is, is that it's now time to get down to business. And that is what we're attempting to at least start to ask as a question at Tara is how can we create that kind of ecosystem? Yeah, and get provide the resources they need. Stop talking about it and let's do something about let's it. Something you know, about talk it. is cheap. Yeah. Because I remember back in 2015, I was looking to get funding. Um, and I remember for a business that I had um, and presentations to investors and things like that. And I remember looking that I was shocked. And then it was 2%. It was only 2% of um, 
of venture capital is going to women. And I was just, remember, I was so <clears throat> disenchanted and disappointed and confused. And I'm thinking, but if you look at statistics and especially with women-run businesses and profitability, uh, you know, all these pieces that um, they can do this, why aren't they getting the money for it? And all the incredible sexual harassment is a whole other category yeah. and, and nightmare conversation around that for sure. Um, it just has not even moved, not even anywhere. Do you feel, so are, are you saying then it probably hasn't moved because we're still talking about it? We're not giving them the tools and resources or what, what have you seen over the years? It's a myriad of things. And this is why I'm at the point of kind of posing the question to go gather the data and better understand what some of these mechanics are that are that are actually contributing to it. I mean, I'm I'm one of those people that, that like I see a problem and then I I try to break it down to its tiniest parts and really say like, where can we, where can we shift? Where can we fix? And that's how I came up with Tara was this conversation around we need tools, resources, network. Those are the three things that we're missing. And those are the three things that I heard over and over and over again from friends, from colleagues, from other business owners was I, I don't have the right tools. I can't find the right resources. And I just don't feel like I've got the kind of powerful network that maybe my male colleagues have. Um, so that is where, you know, breaking it down, what the Tara ecosystem was, was sort of founded out of. Um, the funding ecosystem is is a beast. Um, you know, you have at a very high level, and this is not in detail, but you have, you know, your venture capital, which is going to be, you know, they're, they're looking for $100 million plus businesses for the most part, high growth, you know, tech companies, um, 10x, 20x their, their dollars that they're putting into it. So you really have to have exponential scale to get the venture capital dollars, right? The challenge is, is that that entire ecosystem is, is I, I think it's 85 to 90% male. So the people making the decisions are going to always, from an unconscious bias standpoint, make a decision that's based on somebody that looks like them and talks like them and walks like them. So you have a percentage problem in that ecosystem. The same thing in private equity. They're looking for high returns, high growth. You know, they're, they're you know, franchise companies. I mean, they're looking at, again, kind of those more mass market companies, high growth companies, male dominated very much so as well. Then you have your angel funders, right? Which is really, to me, where we can start to affect the most change because we are seeing a ton of activity from you know, founders who have, have done well for themselves or who have, you know, the resources and the capital um, to be able to say, you know, hey, we want to start to invest in women-owned businesses and Black-owned businesses and Latinx-owned businesses. And so I really see the angel funding category as the space that could use a little bit more, um, a little more, more focus and love, because I think that that is where you're going to find some of these potential resources. They're not looking for as big of a, of a 10 X, 20 X of their money. It's a little bit more of a, of a solid return on investment versus an outsized return on investment. And then you have structures like crowdfunding. There's a lot of innovation happening in the crowdfunding space. That's pretty interesting. Um, and so I think that, you know, what, what I see in my world is <clears throat> that we continue to try to play in a sandbox that was designed 
to, it wasn't even designed with us in the equation back in the day. The venture capital and private equity world was not designed thinking, oh, how are we going to fund women-owned businesses? It was literally designed to just fund high-growth businesses, which typically in you know the past were owned and founded by men. And so we keep trying to like dip our toe into the sandbox and say, hey, can I play in this corner? And 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 we're not getting it. So my metaphor there is let's go design our own sandbox, right? You know, if you don't want me in, in yours, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go design my own. It's gonna have some blue sand, right? Um, and maybe, maybe, you know, like a like a really nice border and it'll it'll look really pretty and it'll be nice and comfortable and the sand will be better than yours. And so I, I think that that's that's the question that I'm playing with right now. I don't have answers, but it's what I have seen within kind of the players in the field that that angel funding category is is a really interesting space. Sure, and I like the analogy of the sandbox. <laughs> I thought of something when you were a kid. Did you have a sandbox outside? I did. I did. My parents. You. Yeah, they, they designed a sandbox for us in our backyard in Wyoming. So, yeah, totally. So, um, same. Yeah, we had a sandbox that was made out of a um, tire, like a tractor tire. I grew up in Illinois. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And we had a lot of cats. Yeah. Oh, gross. All, yep. <laughs> all I needed to say. I all I needed to say. <laughs> Our sandbox, sandbox like, will not have any cats around. Yeah, there will not be any cats in it. Ours, ours was this horrible, like really gritty, not very comfortable sand. Like I don't know where my dad got it, but he may have like pulled it out of the riverbank, and it was always just really rocky and kind of uncomfortable. It was more pebbles than sand. So I'm gonna go. That's I'm gonna go great. with my own sandbox. Yep. Yeah, we need to make our own sandbox. Well, I mean, right, there's so many different options. You're talking about angel funding, um, private equity, crowdfunding, you know, all these pieces. And the crowdfunding definitely has grown quite a lot considerably. Um, so looking at this, so if someone's listening right now, she has an idea, she's um, trying to get funding, maybe she's getting stonewalled or whatever the case, because it's not the right sandbox. What would you say to her? Where should she start? One of the biggest things that I see, um, and this is a harder conversation to have, and it's not a lot of thing, times that people want to hear this part of the conversation, is that women that are going after funding are going after the right kind of funding for where they are. So I hear a lot like, oh, I'm going to go out and get venture capital money. You can't get venture capital money anymore unless you are already making several million dollars a year and have a pipeline to run you to a hundred million dollars. Um, that is just, they're not even going to look at an email or take a phone call. Very few VC firms will take initial seed round money. They will not do, I mean, most of them won't even hit like a series A these days. And so, you know, VCs to me are just, it's not even worth going after them unless you are already scaled and unless you are already well on your way to, to being a hundred million dollar plus market cap. Um, same thing with private equity. At the end of the day, they're looking for, you know, fast turnaround mergers and acquisitions. Um, they want to sell you in three to four years. And so I think that the that's where this angel network comes into play in terms of, you know, seed rounds, series A. Um, the challenge there is that the networks don't exist. 
And so a lot of times, you know, the venture capital firms are kind of easy to go after because they're established, they have websites, they're easy to go find, um, you know, you can, you can sniff them out from LinkedIn, et cetera. But the reality is that the angel funders are tougher to, to come across, they're private funding. And so you have to be in those networks, you have to meet those people, you have to make those connections and create a relationship with someone so that they trust that you are the right kind of founder for them to invest in, or maybe it's not them, but it's someone else. And so a lot of times to me, I see that it is that they are actually going after the wrong kind of money initially. Um, the other piece of it is I, I see a lot of times people will send me their pitch decks or they'll send me their business plans and the financial model just isn't there and the market research isn't there. You can have the best idea in the world. You can have the best marketing. You can be a marketing genius. You could be a sales genius. You could be a tech genius. But if you don't have the real forecasted cash flow business model performa, um, no investor is going to look twice at you. And it's got to be very well vetted with really solid assumptions. And to be perfectly frank, most business owners like myself, when you first start, if you don't have a financial background or you don't have you know, a, a co-founder who's a CFO, you typically don't have that level of depth in your financials. And so the best piece of advice that I have for anybody that wants to go out and, and raise money is get those numbers in order and go hire somebody to actually develop it for you. No, that's so smart. I, I think too, there's the, um, when it comes to money mindset, when it comes to financial knowledge, I think there's a big gap too, just as if I've worked with so many different women entrepreneurs, I can't tell you how many times where I'm like, okay, next week, we're going to do projections for next year. Are you excited? We have our two hour meeting in there. Suddenly like, oh, I need to reschedule or, oh, this urgent matter came up. I'm like, no, we're talking about money today. We were talking about money today and everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. But so smart, hired out for sure. If you don't have the financial background, your co-founder doesn't get someone, get a fractional CFO, get someone into the picture that can help build those solid, uh, that financial model for you with the market research behind it. Yes. I mean, it's, a, it's going to be data driven. So have everything ducks in a row. Um, and I loved, I, I mean, I didn't know that about when you were talking about they're looking at the wrong type of money. 9% um, of the time I hear, and they say they're going after venture capital. I'm like, you don't, you don't need to talk to a venture capital company for no. four years. Like you don't even have a company right now. You are literally wasting your time barking up the wrong tree. And I do want to also, a friend of mine, Megan Routabush, um, who has a company called Keep With. She's raised about three quarters of a million. She's getting into her next round of seed, um, hoping to move into a series A, has some you know, decent VCs that are interested and that are involved. She always jokes, she said that she has 33 venture capitalists from Silicon Valley and each of them to get collectively together, they gave her $33,000. Um, and we laugh about that. They each wrote a thousand dollar check, right? And so, you know, Megan says, and I, I do really appreciate this. She said, we need people to be writing meaningful checks to women-owned businesses, not just say, oh, here's a couple thousand dollars, or, you know, we're going to do a pitch contest where you, you spend all of this time putting together this pitch deck and, and creating all of this collateral and practicing, and then you get mentorship, right? We need 
we or or a thousand dollar prize or a five thousand dollar prize. And so I think that this is where that that conversation back at the beginning that our next phase is. Okay, the, the empowerment's cute, like we're done with that. And thanks for giving us some lip service, but we we don't really need that anymore. What we need is we need meaningful money. We need forty thousand dollar checks, fifty thousand dollar checks, hundred thousand dollar checks, million dollar checks. But to fund those companies, the women who are founding those and starting those companies need to start with better foundation. I see it over and over and over again, and I hate to make the blanket statement, but you're right. It is a money mindset at the end of the day. And so, you know, that again is where the Tara ecosystem is meant to kind of come in and provide some of that support. You don't have a CFO, we've got some in our Rolodex, right? If, if you need to find somebody to do market research, we can help you find those spaces to go and, and find those people. Um, but you've got to know the right questions to ask before you step in. Yeah. Oh, I love this. This is so rich in terms of information. If someone is looking to start a business or they've just been, they're not um, moving forward with getting any funding at all and they don't know where to go at this point. They've been following this model that's not even designed for them. And they're in the sandbox that has cat poop in it. So they need to move. <laughs> That's to exactly right. Go to the blue sandbox. We got the blue sandbox. <laughs> the, blue, the blue sandbox is very calm. Yeah, very calm. Very chill. Oh, yeah. This is so great. So Kate, where can people find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Um, all over the place. So we've got an awesome Instagram channel, super inspiring, lots of fun things. Um, we have tons of programs and education workshops coming up, um, you know, starting now and then really moving into 2023 is when we kick our business education into high gear. We are covering cash flow, finance, budgeting, um, you know, strategy, marketing, the whole nine yards, mindset, leadership, management, really excited to be able to bring this education to the community. Um, so Instagram is underscore at tar or at underscore Tarco. And then LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, would love to connect with anybody that's interested in having conversations about this. I, I'm going to go out on a listening tour in early 2023 to talk to venture funds and angel funders and private equity firms and really start to understand the, the landscape and the ecosystem that we are playing within so that we can find where can we redesign this? Where can we redevelop this? So if anybody's in that space and they're interested in having a conversation, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Kate Bailey, uh, Tara, T-A-R-R-A. And then, um, you know, we're here physically in Denver, Colorado at Ninth and Colorado neighborhood. It's a beautiful space. Um, anybody wants to DM me for a day pass, I'd be happy to, to provide that. Any women-owned businesses, startups that are interested in office space, we're here and I'm just excited to connect with the community. Oh, this is so awesome. Thank you, Kate. All this will be in the show notes, everyone. So you can click on those um, links, connect in with Kate and uh, continue the story. But thank you so much for being on the show, Kate. Thank you, Jamie. It was an honor. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. I appreciate you and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this conversation. I'm Jamie Rowe with Look What She Built, the one and only podcast that celebrates the brave, bold, and badass women who are doing business their way and telling us about it. Until next time, 
Go show the world what an iconic woman looks like. Please share this with three women because we all need to share positive messages in the world. And if you want to learn more, please connect with me on social at Impact to Income. Thank you.